We're going to call the, the series Life in the Spirit. And so what does it mean to, to live life in the Spirit? We talked uh, seven weeks throughout the summer. We had a collection of talks. We called it the Summer of Soul. And so we realized that there's like a, a, an invisible part of us that is, that is very active in our outside world. That more than just what we see, there's this part of us, this divine imprint called our soul that God placed. In, in, and when he, when he created Adam, he breathed into him uh, and he became a breath of life. And, and that's where that soul came alive. And so on the heels of that, I want to talk about God and, and, and primarily the Holy Spirit. And so that, that in itself has a lot of different taboos that go with it sometimes. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, good teaching on the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of weird teaching on the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, there, there's, there's the, just sometimes these, the big question mark of, of well, is, is the Holy Spirit, you know, is it, a, is it like a force? Is it like from Star Wars? Is it the force? You know what I'm saying? Is it an influence? Is, and so right out of the gate, as we jump into this new series, we know overwhelmingly that the Holy Spirit is referred to as a person. Just as God the Father and Christ the Son, that, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, he has all these different types of attributes. Um, you know, he's got all these different, he's known as, I mean, referred to as the wind, as, as the breath of God, as fire, as anointing, like all these symbols that go along with the work of the Holy Spirit. But we know that the Holy Spirit is a person. And it's a beautiful picture of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and knowing that they're all together in unity, and that's the God that we, that we worship. It's this community of three persons. And, and so this particular uh, series, I really want to f- jump in and focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what, is that, what does that mean for us today? Is the Holy Spirit inside of us? Is he around us? Big questions like that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, what are they, and, and what are the gifts that you have? We're going to speak a, spend a week on that as well. And, and the best way I've heard it illustrated is that God the Father had a plan for you, and that Christ the Son purchased that plan on the cross. But then the Holy Spirit, He personalizes this plan for you and applies it to your everyday life right? So God the Father had this plan for humanity in the world, and he unveiled this plan, and Jesus, his son, purchased that plan so that we can be a part of what God is doing on the planet. But the Holy Spirit is the agent that God is using right now to personalize that plan in your life and make it real. The man Jesus walked the earth a couple thousand years ago, He was crucified at around 33. His ministry was three years, and that's where we get the the Gospels from. But he went back to heaven, right? He ascended, and and the last word that we give is that Jesus is at the right hand of his Father, waiting to return. And so the primary agent that we are interacting with here on this planet while we're in these bodies is the Holy Spirit. And he works in our life, and he does all these incredible things. Um, He convinces us of things like God's love. He convinces us of things like we belong in the family of God, that we're sons and daughters, that he's working and he's moving in every Christian's life. And I believe he even works in non-believers' lives. Because before you were a Christian, if you can remember that, before you were a Christian, you know, when you came to faith, what drew you to church? 
You know, what, what brought life to that song that got you thinking about faith and thinking about God? And, and so there's so much that the Holy Spirit does, and we know he's moving and he's working in our lives. And, and today I want to jump in primarily to, to the, what we know as the fruit of the Spirit. And you may have learned that in Sunday school, right? The felt board. Anybody? Nobody? You know, you got the different fruit and it's love and joy and peace and gentleness and faith and all that good stuff. I'm not going to try to quote it because I will butcher it. But uh, I can get at least like five to six. But the reason I want to start with fruit is because a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the gifts. And that's what I just did, right? The gifts of the Spirit, right? I want to I wanna preach or I want to prophesy or I want to do, you know, all these functions of the Holy Spirit that are, you know, the gift of healing and faith. And, 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 but what I'm finding is that you can have the gifts of the Spirit in your life and not have the fruit of the Spirit, right? Like you can prophesy in tongues and then lie in English. You're, you know, like you can preach but then be a really like mean person, <laughs> Come on, somebody, right? Don't, don't, don't look up. I mean, you, you can have this really awesome gift that God has given you, but be mean as a snake and, and not even not love your neighbor. Like, so the fruit of the Spirit is character-based. It's who you are. Gifts come and go. Gifts are things that we use. They're activated. They're like tools. But you can have the gifts and not have the fruit, and we, we all have probably interacted with someone like that, or we read about people like that, um, you know, that folks that get in trouble, and they have this incredible gift, but behind the scene, the fruit wasn't there. And so the fruit is more important to me than, than the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, because you can have the gifts without the fruit, but you can't have the fruit without the gifts. When you find a church that has, or a, a Christian that has the fruit of the Spirit in their life, and the Holy Spirit is moving and working in their hearts, and they're loving people, and they have joy, and they have a, a peace that the world didn't give them, and the world can't take away, and they're kind, and they're long-suffering, they have patience. You find a person like that, you're going to find a person that has the gifts of the Spirit working in their life. But you can flip it around, and it's not always the same case. And so in, in the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and what they began to do is, is they started teaching some of the Old Testament doctrines, saying if you want to be a Christian, you've got to do these things. One of them was circumcision. They wanted to bring that back. Could you imagine if we started that back? You know what I'm saying? Like, like they, so they were trusting in Old Testament principles for their righteousness. And they thought, well, if we just keep the law, we bring back all this Old Testament stuff, that, that this is going to get us closer to God. And Paul is writing this, this book, and it's a letter to this church saying, listen, you're going about it the wrong way. He would say things like, you came to Christ in faith. Are you going to keep walking? You know, are you going to trust in your own works to keep walking this journey? Or are you going to keep trusting by faith? And so he's trying to steer them from this gospel of works and, and trying to earn their salvation to a gospel of, of surrendered trust and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in them and through them. And in Galatians 5, he kind of gives a list, two lists. One list is called like the works of the flesh. That's that bad part of us that we all got. I don't have to wonder if you got that or not, because if you're born, like if, if you're a human being and your heart's pumping and you got blood it running through your veins, you inherited something from Adam that no one taught you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not good usually. 
Like, uh, and, and so that's the works of the flesh. That's, that's the stuff that, that shows up on our New Year's resolutions list every single year. And, you know, it's the things in our life that we know if they were gone, our life would be better. So he gives that list. And then he gives another list, the fruit of the Spirit. So let's read them together. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. And so he really kind of marks out these two ways of living. He says, if you, if you live in the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, you're not going to gratify the desires of that sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is opposite or contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit is, is doing the exact opposite of the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. Somebody say, it's a fight. Come on, say like you mean. It's a, it's a fight. They're in conflict so that you, you don't do what you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And so he gives this list. He lists it. These acts of this, this sinful nature, which every one of us has something. Your list, your, yours may not be on this list, but we all got this from, our, from the first Adam. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, which is actually in the Greek pharmacia, where we get the English word pharmacy, so he's meaning drugs, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Don't drive with me, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like this list is getting a little personal. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. He lists them. All the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Anybody want some of that in their life? Come on. Gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to, to Jesus have crucified the sinful nature, that firstless, with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. All right. So let's talk about this for just a few minutes. I just got a couple points I want to pull out of this. The first thing I, I really want you to see is, is he calls these, these, the bad part of us, right, that the flesh side of us, works of the flesh. And so it's almost a, it's a mechanical term works of the flesh it's it's i've heard that that temptation is something on the outside that solicits 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 itself to something on the inside right and, and so it's mechanical it's 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 um and then he goes on and he talks about how these works of the flesh if we live by them that we won't inherit the kingdom of god and so what he's not saying is if you've ever had a bout of rage you're out Right? What he's not saying is if you've ever struggled with one of these things, you're out. What he's saying is this, if this is your way of life, like you are living in this, this is something that is, it's, it's not a one-time act, it's a pattern. It's something you can't get away from. It's, it's starting to, to take over parts of your life. It's noticeable. People see it. And so the, the acts of the flesh, and he lists them, and there's more. But, but the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, what I want to draw you to firstly is that it's singular. He says acts of the flesh, works of the flesh, and then he gives this list. But then he says the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. 
and he gives these nine different categories. And, and so I, I love that, that he, he gives this, this imagery of a fruit tree. The works of the flesh are mechanical. The works of the flesh is, it's like a machine. It's, it, 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 there's no life in it. But he says, when, when you start working and walking in the spirit, you're going to start bearing fruit. Now, growing, if you've ever grown anything or you have fruit trees, you know that, that this is a whole different process. This isn't mechanical. This isn't something you can force. This isn't even something that you can really do in your own strength. Because you've probably planted a garden before, 12 seeds exactly the same, one will grow and one won't. One tree will bear fruit, one tree won't. And, and I love that he connects it though and gives us something that we can understand. That life in the spirit is, 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 is somewhat of a mystery. But he goes on and he says as we, as we walk this walk, as we stay connected with God, we're going to see things in our life that begin to grow. We're going to see things that, that, we, that are not from ourselves, things that, are, uh, that God's working in us and, and through us. And so he's talking about character. He's talking about building us up that, that as we walk with God and we commune with the Holy Spirit, that we begin to bear this fruit in our life that we could never do on our own. We begin to love people that are unlovable. We begin to have joy in our life that, that didn't come from some kind of substance or outside, outside of us. It's this inward thing. It's this character thing. And so just a couple of things about fruit I, I want to pull out. The first thing, I think, when, you're, when it comes to fruit and bearing this, these fruit of the Spirit is that fruit is the result of healthy connection. That's how we get fruit to grow, right? If you, if you have a lime tree or, or an orange tree... The first thing you got to do is you got to connect the roots with the soil, right? Like there's these, there's all these steps that, that go that you got to go through, but to, in order for a tree to bear fruit, there has to be healthy connection. It's the same exact way I think in our lives spiritually, that the fruit of the spirit is something that comes organically out of a healthy connection with God, and then the the, the leather list, the, we'll call it the black list, right? We'll call it the bad list. The other list. It, that begins to show up in our life when we have unhealthy connections. When we're watching things we shouldn't watch. When we're doing things we know we shouldn't do. Going places we know we shouldn't go. When, you know, when, when, we're, when, we're, when we're turning to things that we know are hurting us and causing pain. And so it's, it's all about healthy connection. And in the book of John, G Jesus makes seven I am statements. And some of you may know these statements, but they're pretty bold statements. He says things like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, that, he says things like, I'm the door of hope. Nobody comes to God except they come, unless they come through me. He says things like, I'm the light of the world. Like he's, there's seven statements that he makes, and they all end, they culminate in this last statement, where, where he calls himself the, the true vine, John chapter 15. I'm going to read it to you, verse, verses uh, 1 and 4. I'm the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. My father, he's the gardener. If you abide or remain in me, as I remain in you, what's going to begin to happen is, is you're going to bear fruit. And he says no, no, no branch can bear fruit by itself. There has to be a connection. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so he calls himself the true vine. And I, I like that for a few reasons. Number one, it lets me know there's false vines. 
It lets me know that there's things that, it's going, that are going to present themselves in my life that say, hey, this is going to bring you peace. Hey, this is going to bring you joy. Hey, this is going to bring you patience and, and that list. And it's not real. It's not true, right? And, but, but Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm the true vine. And, and the way to bear fruit in this life and to, and to see this fruit is if you just remain in me. Now, that word remain is, is an interesting word. It, it, it's it means to, to just abide in. It means to continue in, to, to journey in, to be held or to be kept. And so my first step into having more of the Holy Spirit in my life and to see this fruit is to just stay close to Jesus. How do I remain in Jesus? Well, there's a lot of ways. You're doing it right now. You're here. <laughs> you're, you're at church. You're, you're, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're a part of a church. But I think there's multiple ways. There's, there's, it's, it seems so simple, but, but uh, you know, staying and, and reading his word. If, if I want to remain in someone, there's got to be communication. I've got to talk to that person. I've got to get to know that person. And I think every good thing in our life comes from intimacy with him. And as we remain in him and as we go to church and we read the word and we worship, this fruit will begin to just show up in our lives. And so he, he's, he's encouraging us to, to remain in him. He's using this awesome illustration. Twelve times in that one little talk, he, he tells those that are listening to remain in him, to abide in him. And I think he says it over and over and over. I don't, I don't think Jesus repeated himself just to hear himself talk. I think he said it because he knew it would be very difficult to do. Right? I mean, just coming to church is hard sometimes. Like if there was a microphone or if there was a video of just driving to church with me and my family sometimes, like it's like all hell breaks loose on Sunday morning. The dog will run away. Like the, the, the faucet leaks. The, something crazy happens. I mean, it's hard to remain. I mean, just coming to church sometimes, it's, it's hard. Just, and, and so Jesus knew that there would come a day where, where it would get harder and harder and harder to just do that simple thing, to stay connected to him. That people were going were gonna to just speak falsely against him, that there was going to be all these misrepresentations of who Jesus Like, we've got all that spectrum happening in our world now. I don't know if there's ever been a time on the planet where it's been harder to just remain in him. And so the Holy Spirit, one of his primary works is to help us do that. Because my flesh, when I wake up in the middle of the night, it's not, you know, it's not telling me to read the Bible. It's saying, go grab the Oreos and eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it, it, it's my, my, that's just me. Like, that side of me is very loud at times. And then you've got the Holy Spirit who will, like, he's like a gentleman. He, he's referred to as a dove. Gently, you'll wake up and, hey, maybe you should read your devotion before you hop on Instagram. Maybe you should just open your Bible. Just get one verse for you, for you hop on Snapchat and start. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 may just you know, like I don't think that's our bodies. It's not our flesh telling us to do that. That's the Holy Spirit. He's He's leading us. He's guiding us. And this relationship with God is not built on the on the big things. It's built on the dailies. Think about every healthy relationship in your life. It's not built on the one time vacation. It's not built on the, one, the, once, you know, the lifetime trips. It's built on the everyday talks. It's built on the, 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 dinner, the dinner table discussions. It's built on staying in healthy connection with the people that you love. And that's how we do this. It's, it's staying in connection with Jesus. So fruit is a result of healthy connection. The second thing about fruit is it takes time to grow. 
This isn't instantaneous, right? I don't think you can go to a conference and leave with the fruit of the Spirit over your shoulder, right? Like, we want that. We, we live in a drive-through society. Like, I get mad if it takes more than about five minutes. Like, I want to I wanna order at this window. I don't want to even pay at the first window. Close the first window. Like, let, let's just pay and get our food in the second window. I got, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want it fast. I want it quick. I want it now. God doesn't do that. He doesn't work that way. He doesn't work on our timetable. Fruit takes time to grow. And the best fruit takes the longest time. Persimmons, you all know what persimmons are? A persimmon tree will take three to four years to fruit. And so this isn't something that can just happen immediately. I think the gifts, sometimes we'll see that happen. I've heard stories of uh, uh, Steve McCall. He plays, he's an incredible organ player. And uh, he, he went to Pace Assembly for a long time, decades and decades and decades. He was aw- awesome, awesome guy. But he was a bus kid. He grew up in, in, in a low-income family, neighborhood. And so Pace Assembly used to send a bus into the inner city, and they would, it would bring kids into the church. And lo and behold, Steve McCall, at like 10 years old, never played an instrument in his life, jumped on the organ and could just play it. And I, and I believe that that happens. It happens all the time. That sometimes gifts, God will just give you a gift and you can do something that you didn't normally, you couldn't do before. And, and it's just amazing. But fruit <laughs> is long suffering, right? It's patience. It takes time. You plant the seed. You water the seed. You wait for it to grow. You fertilize it, right? I mean, it, it's, it's a process and when it comes to growing fruit in our life, it's, it's a process, and it requires patience. I'll never forget, I, I, um, when I lived in Pace for, for a few years, and uh, Hurricane Ivan, y'all probably, I don't even like talking about hurricanes right now, but uh, Hurricane Ivan came through, and, and in my yard, I had three orange trees, three orange trees, and those orange trees never produced anything. You know, I, and I, I asked people, I looked it up online, right? I, I, you know, I talked to all the horticulturists and botanists, and they're like, do this, try this. It didn't work. Hurricane Ivan came through, literally stripped these orange trees down to nothing. Every leaf was gone. I mean, if you remember that storm, it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a big storm. It's our 100-year storm in this area. It's like time sets itself to Hurricane Ivan. You know what I mean? Like, like, you, you, you like, it's like a date in my mind. Is it before Ivan or after Ivan, you know? And so this storm came through. It was really, it was a bad storm for us in this area. And that tree, I mean, those trees look pathetic, bad. I thought for sure, you know, they, they were going to die. I was going to have to pull them up. And you, believe this or not, that next year, those trees had more oranges on them than I've ever seen in my life. Like tree, like, like fruit was rotting on the ground. That's how much orange, like I was giving away oranges as fast as I could. And what I want you to see is when, it, when, it, when I say fruit takes time to grow, is that you're going to go through fruitless seasons in your life as a Christian. You're going to go through seasons of, of life where you don't produce anything. See, we live in a culture where we define our value by what we produce. What do you do? How much money do you make? How many letters are behind your name, right? But in this walk with Jesus, it's not like that. 
You may go through a season of fruit, fruitlessness, and here's the even crazier thing. A storm, like a, a trial, might be the thing that causes you to finally start bearing that fruit that you've been praying for. I didn't even know that, but like storms apparently cause fruit trees to, it shocks them. And, and so they, they go deeper with their roots. And so this tree needed that storm in order to produce the fruit that it was producing. So my question to you is, is maybe you're going through a season like that right now in your life. I, I don't know. But I've, I've always misinterpreted this verse that, that we, you know, we, we judge a tree by its fruit. Jesus said that. And I, and I, and I think that you, when, when you hear that verse, immediately you start thinking, well, if somebody's not producing right now, then they're not walking with God. But I know a lot of people that walk with God deeply and they go through seasons where there's just not a lot of fruit. They go through seasons where people get on their nerves. Come on, somebody. They go through seasons where they don't have a lot of peace and they don't have a lot of joy. And they, and they don't have, and so there's not a lot of fruit on the tree. But I'm learning you can't judge a tree by a season. Just like you can't judge a person by the chapter you walk in on their life. That there, there's always more, and God is, and I love how Jesus says that, you know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the vine dresser, you know, and my father, he's, the, he's, he's doing the cutting, and he's, he's setting the, the seasons. And, and so if you're here this morning and you feel like, I, I don't know if I'm producing anything right now as a Christian, that's okay. God takes us through those seasons, and he's always got a purpose for it. And so that, I think when we find ourselves in that place, just like my, that orange tree did, when there's not a lot of fruit on the outside, just try to go as deep as you can in the, in the hidden parts, right? That, that, that tree went, went deep in that season. And so, that's, it, so God leads us through these seasons where we don't always understand what he's doing. And so, and so, so fruit trees, fruit trees, it, it requires time. It's got to have that healthy connection. And then here's the third thing, and this is, um, you know, this is not a, an easy one either, but fruit trees require pruning, like absolutely. In order for a, a, a tree, a fruit tree specifically, to produce, it's got to get cut back. Now, I'll never forget my mom growing up. She had these rose bushes out in front of my, our house, and she, and she loved roses. She'd cut them down. She would like hairspray them and hang them up. I don't know, isn't that, it's for real. She would like spray it with hairspray and they would last all year and she'd hang them in the house and I, I loved it. But I would, I would watch her cut that tree back. I mean, a, ro a rose bush that was massive. And she would cut that thing back to where there was barely a stump in the ground. And I would think there's no way like, like, mom, you, you've done it. You did it this time. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is gone, right? And but she knew what she was doing. And, and in order for that rose tree to really produce good roses, if you don't cut it back, it'll, over, it'll overbloom. I didn't know any of this. And so to have like really good roses, you don't want to have too many. You've got to cut it back. And as we walk with God, I'm finding that the Holy Spirit will cut some things out of our lives. Just be honest with you. We, we're going to go through seasons of, of, of cutbacks where people leave and we leave jobs or jobs leave us or we leave towns and cities and communities and, it, and it's not comfortable. Jesus said it like this, I'm the true vine. My father, he's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me 
that doesn't bear fruit? Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it'll be even more fruitful. And so we go through these seasons of cutbacks, and that's okay. And that's okay. Because God, we, I think it's in those moments where we really learn to trust. And, 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 and I think there's a difference between making mistakes and sin taking things out of our lives and walking with God and the Holy Spirit taking things out of our lives. There's a difference. Because I've done both. I've made a lot of dumb mistakes and I knew I was on a path that wasn't good and I lost a lot of stuff and I, I caused a lot of hurt. But then there was times where I was going to, to church, all I could go, reading the Bible more probably than I read it now. And, and God took people out of my life and it was confusing. I, I became like you know, a, a Christian in my senior year in high school and that happened and I didn't understand it because I came back to church, or I'm sorry, I came back to school and I was holding my Bible and I was like talking about Jesus and all my friends were like, hey, don't sit with us. <laughs> you, know, like, 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 you know what I'm saying? And, and it was a really confusing time in my life. And, and, and friends started to go and things started to go in my life and I didn't understand it. But God had a plan. And so if you're in that moment or you're in a season like that, it's okay. Trust God. He's always, always, always got a plan. And so let's look at this for a moment before we pray. The works of the flesh we know are, are, are not good. <laughs> we know we shouldn't do it. A lot of us can name it in our life. We know the things in our life we struggle with. But the fruit of the Spirit. The one thing I really want to draw out is that it's singular. It's one. He says the fruit of the Spirit, but then he lists nine different things. Joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and, and I, I think this is what I think it's like it's like a cluster of grapes and imagine having this big cluster of grapes and, and on this cluster of grapes is joy and kindness and peace and patience and all these things but you would call that cluster love and so even though he gives nine different attributes of the fruit of the spirit I really believe it's just one that, that when the Holy Spirit is, is working in our lives, and that's what we all want him to do, we're going to begin to love in ways that we've never loved before. We're going to begin to experience love in our own lives in, in ways that we've never experienced before. And that, that love, that word that he uses for love is agape, right? It's God's love. And the best way I've heard it illustrated is it's, it's love in action. And when we begin to, to walk with God, there's going to be one primary thing that's going to I think come to the top of all of our lives is we're going to we're going to do you know love will make you do crazy things right can I get an eight one amen love will make you do crazy things love will make you go places you never wanted to go love will make you say things you never wanted to say love will make you stay longer than you wanted to stay love will make you do crazy things and, and when we boil it all down if it, love in action is joy and love in action is peace. And love in action is patience. And, and so it's, it makes it easier. And I like easier. I like simple. And, and so I don't really have to force myself to grow this fruit. What I really need to do is focus on loving God and loving other people. And the more that the Holy Spirit is working in my life, the more I'm going to love God and love other people. Well, how do you love someone that's invisible? I think you see it in the way that you treat other people. That the fruit of the Spirit is evident by the way that we treat the people around us. 
The fruit of the Spirit is evident by the way we treat our waitress or our waiter. The love of the I mean, make it as practical as I can. The love of the Spirit is evident in the way that we treat those that live with us, our family, our community. That is where the primary work that God wants to do inside of our lives. I'm thankful for church. I'm thankful for this building. I'm thankful that we can have church. But the fruit is for when we walk out of here. And the fruit is not for us. I've never walked in an apple orchard and see a, seen an apple tree take an apple off itself and take a bite. It's for the people around us. And I think the Holy Spirit, one of the things that he constantly does is he reminds us of that. Because I know the more inward focused I can get, the more that bad list becomes a reality in my life, typically. The more that I'm egocentric or prideful or just focused on me and just what I want, but the more that I can just turn my head and look outside and know that there's others that God has called me to love, that God has called me to work with and to care for and to serve. Four, four or five years ago on, on, I think it was Christmas Eve, I, a pastor told a story about a family in their church. It was a young couple. They had been married for four or five years, and they had two kids. And the wife had a really, really bad addiction, really bad. So she would disappear uh, for days, and, but she would always come back. And she would disappear, for, and then she would come back. But this, this one particular Christmas, I believe it was um, 2017, she didn't come back. And she had been gone for weeks. And so on, on <clears throat> the, the husband had, had called her, had tried to convince her to come home, gave the phone to the kids, none of it worked. And so finally, on Christmas Day, he found out where she was. She was in some rundown motel. And so he thought, I'm gonna give it one more chance. And so he got in his car and he drove to the motel. He knew the room she was in. He knocked on the door, she answered the door. She didn't say a word. She got out of the room, she went and got in the passenger seat of the car. And um, the husband looked over at her and said, well, what, what changed your mind? And she just looked at him and said, you, you came for me. And I think that's what love will do in our life. It'll show up when we least expect it, when we least deserve it. I know that's what it did for me. And as we live, we can find ourselves in that hotel room, and sometimes we're driving the car. Sometimes God is calling us to show up for someone else in our life that we know is hurting, that we know is broken, that, that maybe we have tried and tried and tried and tried, but, the, but God says, just, just go again. <laughs> Send them one more text. Call them one more time. And I think a life in the Spirit, y'all, is a life of love that makes no sense. Where we love the unlovable, where, 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 and it's a miracle. It's just as much of a miracle as somebody being healed with cancer. It's just as much of a miracle as, as, as resurrecting the dead that when God's spirit comes into our hearts and we can love people that are unlovable. We can love people that will hurt us. We can love people that, I mean, it's just, when we run out, 
It's like the Holy Spirit runs in. And that's what God's called us to do. That's who he's called us to be. He says, you're going to know, the world will know that you're mine. This is how they're going to know. It's not going to be how much you speak in tongues, how much you prophesy. It's not going to be how you do church. It's going to be the way that you treat each other. (laughs) And it's going to be the way that you treat the person that least deserves love and least expects it. And it's in those moments where the Holy Spirit just does his best work because it is a miracle. It's not you. It's not me. I mean, it's just listening to that voice and being led by God's Spirit. And he will give you the capacity to do things that you just can't do in your own strength. And and, and don't list the unlovable people in your life, but I bet you got some. (laughs) And when we pray for more of the Spirit, he's going to send more people like that. You say, you want more of me? All right, I'm going to send you some more, uh, you know, crazy folks that you can love and show my love to. Aren't you thankful, though, this morning for the love of God? Aren't you thankful that it's the Holy Spirit that makes it real, more than just a story, more than just something we celebrate once a year, more than words on a page? It's the Holy Spirit that makes it real inside of us. So just, just if you would bow your heads, I want to pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your grace in our life. We thank you that you showed up for us. You could have stayed in heaven. It was comfortable there. You could have stayed with the Father, but you you showed up. You came to this earth. You lived a life just like we're living now. And you laid your life down so that you can show up in our lives in ways that no one else can. And so right now, I just, just, just ask, this, just say this prayer in your heart and in your, in your mind. Lord, I just want more of you. I just want more of you. I, I, I know that, that, that I don't have... There is no limit when it comes to the Holy Spirit that there are more people in my life that I need help loving. And maybe it's yourself that you need to love. And what we need this morning is just more of God. We need more of His Spirit in our life, in our heart, working in us so that we can see people the way that He sees them, so that we can see ourselves the way that He sees us. So Lord, right now in this moment, we just ask for more of You. I want you to just pray this prayer. Make, Make it real. Make it real, Lord, in my heart. It's not just a story. I know it happened several thousand years ago, but Lord, make that reality of your passion and what you did for us and laying your life down and showing up when no one else wanted to. Lord, we just thank you so much. We're grateful this morning, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.